0: Welcome to the Stack Magazines podcast. My name is Stephen Watson. I'm the founder of Stack, the service that searches out the best independent magazines and delivers them to thousands of readers around the world every month. This week I'm speaking with Sean Bidder, editor of Fact Magazine, and Zach Kais, founder of Zach Group and art director of Facts Relaunch last year as a big, glossy, premium magazine. Sean has been involved with FACT right from the start when it launched in 2003 as a small free music magazine and in this conversation he explains how that magazine was eventually superseded by the FACT website and why they decided to bring the magazine back into print last year. Now of course 2020 was not the ideal time to be launching a new magazine particularly one that is designed to accompany live shows but Like lots of other people, they've found themselves just having to adapt to circumstances and make the best of what the various lockdowns here in London allowed them to do. And they've made a really beautiful, totally absorbing magazine. I'm very pleased to say we've got copies of their new issue available to buy in the Stack Shop. So if you want to pick one up for yourself, head to stackmagazines.com forward slash shop and search for it there. But first, I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Sean and Zach from Fact. Uh, Sean, Zach, thanks so much for making time to talk.
1: Thanks for being here.
0: Yeah, great to be here. So, all right, before we get into this big glossy magazine that we've got in front of us now, I sort of feel like I need to do a little bit of context and going back and figuring out kind of like how we got to this. So I remember Fact magazine way back <laughs> in the day as this like small free thing that was given away in like pubs. Sean, were you involved with it in that iteration at all?
2: Yeah, so I was involved from the from the very beginning. Um, essentially, I, I, my background is is in publishing. I was in I was an editor of various magazines, a writer for different newspapers and journals, etc. Um, and um, at one point, uh, around two thousand and one, two thousand and two, um, the magazine that I was working for at the time um, went under, and I uh, was made freelance effectively. <laughs> and I sent out an email to a bunch of contacts that I had. Um, just letting them know that I was going to be freelancing for a bit, and one person got back to me and said, oh, I'm working for someone who's interested to meet you, they've just started a vinyl, uh, they've they've bought, rather, um, a vinyl pressing plant, and they want to, um, they read your magazine, they love your magazine, and they want to create a magazine around vinyl culture. So that was the genesis for the first issue of Fat, but rather than creating a magazine that was specific to vinyl culture, I really looked at What was unique about vinyl culture in my opinion anyway and how we could differentiate it make it and energize it and at the time there was uh, other publications um centered around vinyl that were either very specific to genre or um really dealing with like um reissues and old rock records classic records etc so it was it was different demographics and my sense really is that what was fundamentally different about the records and the music that I loved that came out on vinyl was the ta- tactility of the, of the of the object itself, but also this synergy between the artwork and the music. So FAT was very much envisioned along those lines, this meeting point between art and music. Mm-hmm. Um, and that emerged, as you say, as a as a sort of um, a small seven inch size magazine that at the time we launched not long after Vice in the UK. And, and, and we followed that model. I'd worked previously with magazines. I knew how difficult it was to get magazines onto newsstands just deal with distributors how you know you really needed quite a healthy marketing budget to operate in that way um and so the free model distribution via um, bespoke targeted outlets meant that you could actually um amplify what you're doing quite quickly um you could print quite a few copies get you know the magazine in the hands of lots of interested parties so we distributed through record shops you know cool Clothing stores, art galleries, some sort of venues, etc. Um, and we operated like that, and the magazine was uh, quarterly and it operated along that basis for several years until we launched a website. Um, and it, this will tell you how dated it was. Initially, we launched a website and we had this idea that if we tagged the pieces in the magazine, more people would read the website. Whereas, we're, obviously, they all, they all, we very quickly found out the answers were completely different um you know and, and that um along the, the lines of lots of other publications you know the online offering at some point or other superseded the print and I think 2011 the decision was made to rest the print mm-hmm. um, altogether and focus online mm-hmm. and then there was a big emphasis on growing that online platform into mm-hmm. a kind of global platform obviously uh, we were very music focused very along the lines of new music new talent new art new artists so um having um, an online portal meant that you know, people could hear the music that we were championing, the artists that we were talking about. So that took off very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then, I mean, so the site itself then
0: just became phenomenally successful as well. The, I mean, I, I don't know how many FACT mixes <laughs> I must have knocking around on like old iPods and things yeah. like that. But so then you, you come to 2020 and the decision is made to bring facts back in print. So, so what was behind that decision and, and yeah, what, what are you trying to do with that magazine?
2: So essentially, uh, around that period of time, I sort of stepped away from the magazine. And at the same time, I was I was working as creative director for Vinyl Factory. And Vinyl Factory, really, we'd, we'd started a record label in, in 2008. And the idea behind that was not that different from the magazine. I really, like, um, a meeting point for artists and musicians to put records out um, as limited editions, a bit more bespoke, a bit more of the artwork focused. Uh, more collectible in that in that vein and then to and then we started doing events and exhibitions around that and that continued and that grew and evolved and we worked with lots of well-known musicians uh like massive attack and the xx and all sorts of interesting people um and um we also started working with some artists that were producing music or involved in music in some capacity people like jeremy della christian markley dinos chapman all sorts of all sorts of people um and then we began doing uh, exhibitions with some of those artists, and the exhibitions, because of the way in which we operated this nexus between sound and vision, the exhibitions that we were interested in were, at the time, we didn't really describe it as such, but were something you would describe as immersive, experiential. They were very much about the, sa- the sound and the, the the raw location, the physicality of the thing, the experience that you'd have walking into it. Um, and they started off quite modestly with with, um, you know, small exhibits with people like The Architects and Grace Jones and stuff. And then they just grew more ambitious as time went on. And we began working with better known artists um, like Carson Nikolai and, and Reji Aikida and Richard Moss and all sorts of interesting people. Um, and those shows evolved and grew as we moved to 180 The Strand. They became bigger because we had a bigger space. They became bigger group shows in collaboration with other partners, like the Infinite Mix was a big show for us, lots of video artists um and then year by year they grew and, and the sense is by sort of 2019 2020 we felt that um even though those shows had developed with vinyl factory if um we had continued on the path that we had been with fact they would have developed through through fact in a sense that 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 crucial element would have been part of fact's DNA um so we felt like it was time to revive fact in in print it also felt like we've always loved analog i mean we produce records we make books you know that we do physical shows so that's part of what we are and for us it was always this sense of having great uh uh, physical things and then combining them with a digital element and experience and so we'd lost that to some extent with fat because we'd been purely digital um and also you know in that period magazines had had a rebirth you know i mean it's similar to, to records i'm sure lots of people had said to people starting a magazine at whatever point you're crazy. There's no market for this. You're doomed. Forget about it. This is what people were saying to us when we were doing records. Um, but obviously um, they were wrong, and the digital element has allowed people to sustain the producing magazines as a business because they can sell them directly. And you know there's all sorts of models in place. Anyway, um, we felt like we wanted to revive that in two spaces. Firstly, as a, as a print magazine, it's a print title because we love print, and we felt like. Um, there's so many things great things about print that only print offers um and also because we wanted to reinvigorate fact in this space that i've mentioned which is this meeting point between art and music but also in terms of producing physical exhibitions here and align that with a physical magazine so that's when we approached zach um and asked him to uh and we were huge fans of what 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 zach and his and his group of really talented creatives at the studio do so um, we were just really excited to um, open that conversation up and see what he came back with.
1: And there was there was another trend at that that moment when people were kind of relaunching magazines, which is that magazines also kind of became books at a certain point. Like they they expanded, they became hardcover. Um, and it kind of, for me, lost like a lot of like the lightness and ephemerality of, of magazines, and that's what I find super exciting about magazines is that they can, that yeah, that there's a kind of tension between their their beauty and that they're printed, but also that they are kind of temporary. Um, so I think when Sean approached us, uh, we were very much interested in trying to kind of reengage with uh, what is exciting about a magazine. And um, Sean came to us with this brief of creating a magazine that combined like audio and visual art forms, which are kind of impossible to represent on a, on a printed page. Um, and that's also what made it exciting as a, as a kind of challenge. Um, and so, you know, Sean talked about the exhibitions that they were producing. Um, and our response was to think about the magazine kind of like as an exhibition in print. Um, and so that that became like the challenge which you know we're still uh, like responding to in, in each issue um, and it's a really exciting one to think about um, and so that's led us to a lot of the design decisions that we've we've made and how we've kind of structured the the images and the typography in the magazine
0: so so the so think about the images because that's one of the things that really jumps out at you when you see this new version of the magazine in fact i'm going to start talking about it as a new version because It feels like kind of fact magazine in the first place was that thing. And then like this is so, so different. But one of the first things that really struck me is the use of imagery. And so you've got this lovely gloss stock, which means you've got these beautifully like sharp, bright images. And I got to see the exhibition looks last week and you can totally see how the two things fit together like walking around that Mm -hmm. exhibition being presented by these huge moving images there's a real affinity then with like flipping through the magazine and being presented with big images it feels like there's other stuff going on with the photography too so like for example with kind of like the the arrangement of the photography like what what are you trying to kind of communicate and get across to the reader with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, like the, the kind of simple direct answer is that we're really trying to convey what you would experience um, in, in a physical space. So trying to convey motion, um, movement, sound, change of contrast, pacing. And I think, you know, a magazine is essentially a sequence of pages that Kind of unfolds over time as you flip through it. Um, so when we work with, um, for example, like performance documentation, the way in which we kind of like layer images and and try to create a kind of uh, tempo um, is something that is like a motivating factor, and that also then collides with you know typography, um, o- other elements in terms of the layout. Um, another aspect of the magazine uh, is that it's super collaborative. So collaborating with um, Sean as the editor, also collaborating with artists that contribute to the magazine. Um, in some cases, it's essentially like giving them uh, like a carte blanche, basically, um, to contribute their own section. In the first issue, Khalil Joseph did that with Black News, um, where he had like a 16-page section that um, he, he created for the magazine. Um, and we've talked about those
2: contributions it ended up being 42 pages. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it was also good that that was
1: like yeah we was going to include the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I I think that like it, it's also great to give up control sometimes. <laughs> um and so that's a, that's that's a great um contribution to the first issue. And and in in doing things like that, I mean, it, it is like a total departure from other parts of the magazine. Uh and what we really love about it is that it goes back to that idea of an exhibition in print. Um and so we think of those as um it's it's a term that a curator Hamza Walker used called um page works, which is like the idea of an artwork that is conceived uh for uh and, and distributed in a magazine. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that it's interesting to like give autonomy to artists, um and then also to have our um you know, kind of editorial and, and curatorial and design vision.
0: I, I think one of my favorite uh uses of photography in there is so there's a, a, a kind of an interview, a big long piece with a, a collective called Curl, um, who one of the things that defines them, it seems, is that they're very disparate. It's very kind of hard to pin down who they are, what they do. And the photography is, I mean, there's loads of it. There's just loads of pictures of these group, this big group of people and they're, they're not all there at the same time, like, you know, sort of photographing them in bits you know, this, this is not the same as showing like, you know, gorgeous artwork that's been uh, crafted by artists for months and then released into a space. This is like, this is capturing a group of people who've mm. been sort of brought together and they've got weird props with them like tin foil and stuff. And mm. that, but like, I really like the way that that's, that same approach of kind of like the big photography and lots of it actually then communicates something really essential about who these people are and like yeah. the difficulty of even getting them together in a room.
1: Well, when also when Sean first came to us with the idea of relaunching the magazine, like from the beginning, I think it was very clear that it was basically a magazine of features, um, and you know that's quite different than a lot of magazines. Um, and so, you know, there was this very generous idea to give um, sp- a lot of space actually to um, artists or or collectives, um, and that kind of allows for experimentation, and you know you can develop something over. Several pages, rather mm. than um, you know, just focusing on keywords that people might already know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, with Cole, that that's well, that they say that's their kind of DNA. That's their, you know, that they're messy. That the whole, you know, that you touched on it there, where um, the sense if no one even knows how many people are in Cole, who the, who the whole, who the whole club uh, the, the, you know, the collective actually are, and even in these images here, even though there's lots and lots of people. In over lots of spreads, not everyone's even at the photo shoot because there's so many of them. Not obviously logistically, it's impossible to get everyone there. So what they've done is they've, you know, and they came up with a lot of these ideas. They're not our ideas that we've 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 kind of um, suggested to them in some cases. You know that they'd bring little Polaroids of the people that wouldn't couldn't make it and hold them up to camera. So that's their aesthetic, and I think I think that's the objective. Like Zach said, in a sense, is that um, in some cases to to really um, drill down into what the essence of an artist is or what the essence of what they're trying to present is and in some of those cases Zach and his team will um, add a lot of creative direction design um, and 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 um, consultation in terms of how best to approach that or how to suggest that and in some cases we'll just really kind of vibe with what they're doing and then and then kind of work work, work, work with them to that, mm. to that extent but I mean that said a magazine is obviously always Um, a collaborative process by the people that are making the magazine so you know they have some ideas of how they like something's presented and some of those get through and some of them we suggest other ideas that we think are better yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) and then they and in the end they 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 agree (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's very good isn't it so so you've i mean it seems like part of the point of this magazine is to bring together lots of very disparate uh voices and styles and 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 some of it is talking about music some of it's talking more about visual art when you've got such a wide brief as that where do you begin with deciding like okay these are the stories that we're going to have in in the next issue
2: um, well that's a good question um, <laughs> I, I think the, 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 I mean to your point about it being um, I mean the, the general the the, the kind of the general theme, in a sense of the magazine or the approach to the magazine, is quite wide. I mean, if you think about that that um, overview of this meeting point between the visual and the and the and the, and the audio, the sound and the sound and the, the vision, that's that's very broad. So then you're really looking at the people doing the most exciting, interesting work within within those broad fields. So um, I think inevitably the, the one of the key strands that we brought forward from the original incarnation of FACT, of what, it's been part of what we were interested in all all the way along, is new talent. We've always championed that. I mean, even to put some of these artists on the cover of a magazine, these are their first covers. Mm. You know, Gabriel Moses has never had a cover before. Object Blues never had a cover before. You know, and and she, for her first cover, she's actually just done another one. But, but I mean, we're really proud of that fact. Um, I mean, we have complete creative freedom and control so we can do effectively what we want, which is great and very liberating. But um, I think that's exciting for us, and it, I think it's exciting for the artist. And, and then it's a question of just having a kind of curatorial editorial approach to things just you know that mix that people always talk about of of established artists and new and new artists together putting people pot- potentially that um, others might consider from different fields in the same room seeing how that conversation works and i've all, personally always found that interesting mm-hmm. um even when i was a kid that things i was most interested in was like the new york downtown scene where people would come from different different fields and it's that friction and that kind of like intersection between these different areas that makes it interesting. Um, even with the record label, you know, we had like Chrissy Markley releases and then we had Pet Shop Boys releases. And it was like, you know, it, it, it was more interesting because of that fact, they that had all these different people together. I think with the exhibitions, we have a similar approach and then that just bleeds through into the magazine. Mm-hmm. The I magazine think what's super of.
1: interesting about fact is like how it crosses lanes. And, you know, if you think about art and music, those are huge fields, but, To think of the practitioners that are really crossing between those two fields it becomes a much smaller um like smaller group of people and so if you look at someone like in the first issue cecilia bengalea who is working in dance but in music as well and also is presenting her work in art galleries and museums uh then then it can become like very focused actually then it's actually hard to think of really great examples Hmm. um so so i think that's that's interesting how fact can really uh, pull together people that are actively crossing lanes and we try to show that even in you know for example the identity the logo of of the magazine that also kind of refers to you know like the pioneering history of um, kind of audio technology but tries to marry it with this like futurism and and, and done in a very contemporary way so yeah I think this idea of crossing lanes is super interesting.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah I mean I think if you you know if you ask most young people, I would imagine, about like, different areas, or different they just that's not so applicable, you know. It's like I think it's more interesting um, what you do with whatever means. And we've always been very excited by bringing people from outside a traditional sphere within within that context. And art operates like that because it's a sacred space, relatively speaking, or should be. Um, within the context of what what creative different creative fields are, so you have a freedom within that to operate. People think it's restrictive. It's actually the opposite. It's yeah. actually a blank canvas, um, uh, and therefore, is very is a very liberated space to bring people into if you're prepared to take that risk. Um, and people can view things differently. I was with I was with Object Blue yesterday talking to her about participating in a future show. She's never done an exhibition before. She plays a lot of gigs, a lot of DJ sets, etc. And she was just saying how excited she would be by that proposition, but she was a bit worried that her music was maybe too experimental. And I I, I was discussing that with her and saying, look, you got to think of in an art context, traditional art context, look at experimental film. That is really experimental. I mean, that's very difficult for people to even um, consider in some way. Um, and maybe a lot of it's not very good, um, depending on how you're looking at it. But But I think music is, is very open. It's very free. I mean, you know, everyone can have an opinion on music. You should be able to. Um, doesn't need any context, to some extent. So that that's super exciting. And I think with, it's similar with print. I mean, like I say, ultimately print. You know, you're dealing with paper, pa- paper, paper, and what what you can do with paper creatively, and how you can make that seem incredibly exciting um, in terms of the artistic vision, but also the people you put within the magazine, and then. And then I suppose a reverence or the professionalism um, by which you treat it in terms of then really thinking about the start, the finish, the repro process that these guys work that do so well at in terms of just checking everything over and obviously some <laughs> some slip through the net, but you do your best. Um, and I think that's that's kind of reflected. If you have a very open approach to that, in terms of the creative, in terms of who you bring forward to put into the magazine, but you apply that kind of rigor. Then you hopefully end up with something that's that, that's exciting. Mm-hmm.
0: So, issue one of Facts um came out last year.
1: In the middle of the lockdown. Great, great time! Great time great to bring <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, once I mean, every hundred years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll yeah, get
0: yeah. In lockdown. <laughs> what I mean was there a reason that you said you thought to yourselves, right? We have to launch this magazine now because, so for example, the. You know, we've talked about the um, the exhibitions that are related to the magazine. And, ju- I mean, there's just no way you couldn't have put an exhibition on last year because people weren't allowed to go into spaces. So that got pushed forward. Was there a temptation to say, well, actually, let's just hold off on the magazine and, and then that can come out when everything opens up as well?
2: Well, I mean, like you say, you know, we pick our moments, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, each issue. the 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 the, the broader um, strategy with the magazine is that each issue would launch in tandem with an exhibition mm-hmm. here at One Eighty mm-hmm. Strand, and then and then the artist or artists featured in that exhibition would also feature in the magazine. The magazine would not be exclusively about that artist, but that they would feature within it. And then One Eighty is a fantastic like launch pad to be able to have as a as a place where the magazine starts available. Um, you know people can engage with it in a physical space etc so we had been working on a couple of shows um, for quite some time one was with Khalil Joseph which was Black News which was uh, this incredible uh, work that he's been um, uh, producing for a few years now Um, and um, we'd Kind of co-commissioned that work and we were looking to show that work in london to make it we felt very of the moment but also we've supported khalil for several years we worked with him for about five years so we we, we were very excited to show that work and then ryoji aikida we, we've been we've worked with for five five or six years and we've been planning this large solo show so when lock when the first lockdown actually um was announced back in march i guess it was of that year the initial reaction from almost everyone within the art world was like, all right, cancel all exhibitions, postpone them, postpone them to twenty twenty, um, you know, the next year. Um, our approach was slightly different. We just felt, look, we don't know what's going to happen. Let's keep working on the show, on the basis that we might be able to launch it still. Um, and if we can, great, and if we can't, well, we've advanced it to the extent that, that we're ready. So we did that, so we plowed ahead. So in, in our minds, there was still a, a very strong possibility that we would be able to open in October, November that year. Um, and w- you know that was in tandem with a, with, a, with a magazine. But as you know, with magazines, you need a longer lead time where you have to send it to print. You have to make a decision at that point. So um, we did make the decision. Um, and um you know the lockdown was announced after that or became apparent after that we actually announced the show i mean we made tickets available for the roji aikida show people bought tickets and then we had to we had to shut it down um and then you know unfortunately the delay um in reopening was quite a long one mm. originally we thought we were going to get back open for february i mean the show was built we had a built show. We had the most amazing show in London. That you could just come for like a private tour, and a lot of people did. Um, but um, yeah, we couldn't open to the public until May. So the uh, this idea then that we would we then decided, look, we're going to keep this magazine for a year. Mm. Everything's askew this year. It's such a strange year. People are doing all sorts of things that they haven't planned to do. There's going to be a lot of leeway in terms of you know understanding why we're doing why we're doing that. Uh, and also just the very fact that we you know, we had a cover with Kaleo, we had a cover with um, Ryoji and, and big features on both of them, like I was discussing earlier. And we wanted people to still be able to experience that. Um, so we had this kind of dual dual moment where we had a, 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 a digital launch and then the magazine was available for people to purchase mm-hmm. online. Obviously people weren't going to shops at that time, it's very limited, you, you'll know better than anyone. Um, and then we had the secondary moment when the show is actually opened. Um, but the plan moving forward is now we're in a post lockdown. Hopefully, um, that the magazine will be biannual, mm-hmm. it's twice a year. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as we said, yeah, in, it'll launch with in conjunction with exhibitions here at One Eighty Strand. But but we have you know we have a distributor, a White Salt Distribute the magazine, so the magazine obviously gets um, into shops worldwide. Um, and even, and even though huge. it
1: came out during a lockdown, I think the reception was super positive. The reception I mean, was great. That yeah. was like, one of the few things that one could actually do during the lockdown is like order books or magazines. Um, so it was either like a very bad idea or a very good idea. Uh, I think it worked out favorably in the end. Um, and I think there was also just like a general excitement that, you know, like cultural initiatives still happen. Um, so I think that was that was that was great
0: I I mean I I definitely read that first issue looking through those pictures going like well I really want to go to this exhibition (laughs) you see and I guess which is sort of the opposite way around maybe to how it's intended in terms of you you have an exhibition and you then you kind of try to reflect that in print Mm. whereas with this one you had an exhibition in print which Mm. was there and then people had to wait to get to the the thing they could walk around
1: part of the master plan <laughs> yeah of course yeah obviously
0: yeah um, all right so you're looking at a, a biannual um schedule now so obviously the the exhibition is is has it just started is it still is quite it, new
2: yeah it started uh, a couple of weeks ago okay, two weeks right.
0: ago so so when then will you be looking at issue three coming out and how does that then all tie in with the next exhibition and the next thing that you're producing
2: so um, the next exhibition is scheduled to um, the next bigger exhibition that Fat will be curating <coughs> is scheduled to launch in late March, early April. So the magazine will be tied into that particular period. Um, but as I said, you know there'll be some there'll be some elements of the magazine that will be uh, intertwined with that show, and some of the artists that are part of that next show will be represented um, in print in the mag. But there's also lots of other artists that um, will feature in the magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of a really nice period of making magazines, I think. I mean, I've worked on, <clears throat> I have worked in the past on weeklies, which is hard work. <laughs> and then, um, you know, monthlies, et cetera, um, quarterlies, and, and the about, you know, with everything else I've got going on, feels like it's a really enjoyable thing to be able to work on. Um, and this is, yeah, like I said, the period where you can consider, have lots of kind of creative conversations with people, like what you'd like to do, how you'd like to imagine feature. Where you'd like shoot it, etc., without having to do any work, yeah. which is lovely. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and then, obviously, then as you get a bit closer, you, you know, you need to sort of nail a lot of that down. I think the challenge, as everyone who makes magazines will experience, is when you're working over Christmas, you, you do lose a bit of time in, in December and January. So, really, for me, I like to have the majority of the magazine mapped out um, in the next month, mm-hmm. and then there's like space for one or two things to kind of emerge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then have everything commissioned, and then you know um, then sort of Zach and I, Zach and I and some other members of Zach's team, some very creative designers, start just um, dis- having discussions around how some of those features might be laid out in particular, which works are kind of artist led and which works. Um, they would have much more of a hand in yeah, yeah. steering.
0: Well, um, enjoy this lovely period where you just get to talk about stuff and not do it yet, uh, and, uh, and really good luck with getting that one uh, together.
1: Thanks so much. Thanks a lot.
0: Okay, that's all for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to Sean and Zach for making time to speak with me. Uh, It was great joining the dots between the different versions of fact. And if you're going to be in London over the next few months, I totally recommend going down to 180 The Strand to see the current show looks for yourself. If you do that, you'll be able to pick up a copy of the magazine while you're there. Or, of course, you can buy one from the Stack Shop. Uh, And remember that if you use the code PODCAST, you'll save 10% off all our magazines and our surprise subscriptions. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Sean and Zach. We release a new episode of the podcast every week. So if you want to hear more like this, please do follow us wherever you get your podcasts and we'll be able to deliver them to you as soon as they're ready. Thank you very much for listening to this one and we'll be back with another episode next week.